0: Welcome to the Development Policy Centre podcast. My name is Camilla Burcott and I'm a research officer at the Development Policy Centre. In this podcast, recorded during the State of the Pacific 2016 conference hosted by the State, Society and Governance in Melanesia program at the Australian National University, I'm interviewing Evelyn Sapp. Everlyn is a gender advocate and chairperson of the Family and Sexual Violence Steering Committee of the Restorative Justice Initiative Association at Porgo Mine in Enga Province, PNG.
1: Evelyn, welcome. Thank you, Camilla.
0: Um, I wanted to talk to you uh, about the work that you do um, and about the Restorative Justice Initiative Association. You gave mm-hmm. a talk a little bit earlier um, as part of a panel on private sector development in the Pacific. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe you can just give us a sort of an overview of, of what the Restorative Justice um, Initiative is how it came to be, and um, and your role in it.
1: Mm. Like, <clears throat> there's been a lot of um, social issues uh, in Pogra. Uh, in the past, it was okay. Uh, the real Pograns were living there, and their families. We got traditional laws that abided them, and it was more trouble-free. There wasn't any much about uh, social issues. But uh, when mining started, it was not the company, but it pulled the people from Hadjada Pogra into uh, the valley, Pogra district. And the numbers increased and also, people from Hutchet were well, like they're from different settings coming in and then mixing around and learning from each other. And they're kind of like they came up with a lot of issues in life. And one of those uh, common issues in there is people go out there looking for uh, alluvial golds. Mm. And then um, the cash flow is from the illegal mining in Hullerville. So people from the Pogro district, within the district themselves, and from Hachet nearby, dist- I mean um, villages, from the different um, districts, they also came in here. And they started, you know, uh, doing the Hullerville mining and uh, illegal mining within the barrack uh, Uh, vicinity, like the mining area, so they go there, steal gold, and come out, and the cash flow in the valley was very high, and when that happens, what happens? Like, when there's a lot of money, there's a lot of social issues, like one goes out there, drink, 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 they take their money straight to the beer club, or... Other and then they drink, drink and then they go out. Another, uh, you see these days, uh, money like women will come there and young girls and even married, and they they are living on money now. So it's like you know, and then they go out and family sexual violence issues cost there, and also uh, cross cutting issues like you know. HIV/AIDS and other uh, health issues are also like you know part of this. Mm. When the cash flow is out, so they have money, so they forget about their wives and they go out with another woman and go drink, and then the wife, uh, husband comes in, you know, they try to retaliate and all these kinds of you know connected Mm. issues okay. And then on the streets, it's not the young girls. It's not safe for the young girls and even women roaming around in the night too because there's this kind of activities where drunkards are careless in their behaviors where they can pull and they can, you know, do anything, rape and so and so. And uh, also, like, when they're under the um, influence of alcohol, they can easily throw their bush knives, throw sticks, throw stones that someone else where they get hurt, and them, they would like to retaliate, and what happens? And with this, little things happen between the two people, grows into a bigger issues than trouble fights are caused. Mm. When trouble fights are caused, it involves the families. Decided from their own areas that they've been living comfortably, houses are banned, uh, basic services are destroyed, infrastructures, everything, lives are lost. Mm. So, They're it's displaced. really mm. sort of
0: a quite a negative cycle or mm. sort of a spiral almost. That's More right. people coming in, and
1: that sort mm. of uh,
0: social tensions really increasing. So, tell me a little bit about
1: um, the restorative justice initiatives. Mm. So, that's the kind of uh, situation was in and uh, Barak does try to do something for the good of their uh, community but then it's our attitude that like we kind of like disturb maybe we want hot cash and hot cash and you know we don't really want to uh, see something sustainable Mm -hmm. and we have to work hard to meet that do make it happen and um, when Barek says, these are the funds available, and we have to really utilize it properly so that uh, we want to see better results coming out, uh, we can't really blame them, blame Baric. It's another thing is our attitudes and people coming in, bringing in a lot of, you know, uh, problems as well. And uh, most of these employees also live working here are uh, local employees mm-hmm. who live around the mining area. Okay. And when they leave the families, they kind of like go from... Uh, they marry those women who are there and this kind of practice is also cause family sexual violence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And all those issues were unbearable. Uh, the local level government itself can't do anything, and the district can't do much about it, and the police were helpless. At one instance, they can attack the police, too. Okay. Um, so all these things like, and police were on their own, um, local leaders were on their own, local leaders they, you know, tried to do something, but they couldn't. Uh, because they they are only um, few, they can't really talk for the whole, and uh, they can't um, try to go out, reach um, all the people, bring them together, mobilize them, and talk to them about you know um, how to come up with the resolutions to you know find peace. So they were operating on their horn, living on their horn. And when Haraji High came in, Haraji High uh, purposely came in because uh, Haraji High's employees live in the community with the locals. So they also provide bus services within 10 kilometers, 6 kilometers. And when fighting went on, they were also affected. So they have to leave that place and move closer to elsewhere there wasn't fighting Mm. so that they can still have their, they won't lose their employment. So, and then barracks thought it was unsafe for its vehicles, buses to run back and forth because when the fighting goes on, Mm roadblocks, harmed gangs, serious problem on the road. Public travel is not safe. So they kind of like, for the safety reason, they stopped buses running to pick up the employees. And... And later on, they saw that the issue was coming down, the big trouble fight. And they kind of like look for ways to sustain peace and stability in the community. So what can they do? When they went and talked to the community leaders, can you do something? We need the police. Can police do something? We need a district administration. Mm. Can a district administration do something? We need those ladies, government institutional ladies. We need the local ladies, you see. So Barik had several meetings and came up with this idea, bring all the stack of case, tackle this together and to address this low and harder issue in the community. And they it came up with this project called Harajai Hai. So that's when it was trying to purposely to improve uh, security and stability in the community. So it really worked hard to make it happen and then continuous meetings were held and then involvement and from it started in 2012 and then started, you know, mobilizing the ladies and they started forming ladies' interest group and business interest group because ladies' interest group, the task is to go out and then uh, uh, meet with the ladies in respective areas because we live tribe by tribe mm-hmm. and in each of the tribes we have tribal ladies Uh the leader in that village, another village, another village. So another village is affected. They have trouble fights. And those two, someone who's a neutral one has to... To bring them together. Bring them together. Mediation and negotiation for peace. And then, so leader who's a very neutral, who's respected, like what I say, ROG High uh, Civil Societies, um, leaders, chairpersons are very respected by whole community in Bobra, So they kind of like go out, and when they want to go out for their safety, they need the police. So police came in and magistrates. those are the government institution, and the head of the government institution is the district administrator. So they kind of, they had meetings. And on the other hand, like, Baroque is a business entity, company, corporate. And also, um, there are other business houses like IPI, EPLI, if you ever heard of it, EPLI Promotion Investment. And another businesses like, you know, uh, they have so many businesses there. All sales and retail stores and... So those ones, when fighting goes on, it, they'll be affected, mm-hmm. you see? Yeah. And so the uh, ROGI came up with another um, civil society group, which is business interest group. So business interest group leaders, leader has to go out and meet with the leaders of respective business houses oh, okay. and then bring them together. What can we do when this happens? So there's the main road from Barak down to the highway, main highway, all the way to Lay. Have you been there, Papua Guinea? I have been to Papua New Guinea, but not but we're you talking about the Highlands Highway? Is that the one? Okay. So there's the Highlands Highway. Yeah. And the from the wharf, the you know, fuel and all those things are transported by continents up the highway all the way to Barrack. Mm. You see, when trouble fights Going on, that stopped. It's distracted. And business houses are affected. You see that? Yeah. So they kind of like a business leaders group, a leader uh, mobilizes all those. What can we, we do? do? Can this happen? Okay, they have to. Wow. One way is they provide resource. Like if they go out to the trouble, areas to Make negotiations uh, for peace, they'll have to provide them with, you know, some things like that is needed, their type, uh, transport or fuel, if they have the vehicle, Mm -hmm. or food, some things like that. And for the short term, medium term, and the long term, they'll have to plan, you know, to maintain peace. Mm. Or when similar things like this happen, what will we do in the future? So (laughs) it's a kind of things. And I'm the chair of family sexual violence.
0: So that's just, if I can just interrupt. So that's what I was going to ask you next. So it sounds like the initiative sort of came about originally as a response to law and order issues. So family sexual violence, how does that connect to... How do
1: you see that as part of the okay. law and order? Did I connect the latest interest group and business interest mm. group? Yeah. Okay. Now, in that area, when fighting goes on, it's unsafe for me as a woman and the children to move from one place to another. If we do happens to when we have a need on the other side, and if men come around with a gun or uh, traditional weapons, they can shoot. Or they can rape. Mm. Or they can pull the balloons. They can do all kinds of things if they are alone by themselves. And when if I go there and someone holds me and rapes me in a trouble fighting zone, and then my brothers will say, mm. who's this man? They Will have to read, you see, mm. and another trouble fight is headed, you see, because we, the females, our securities is our brothers and fathers and a community man. Is it interesting? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's another area, and um, so it's not safe for the safety reason of, uh, and the other reason is like what I said, there was. When uh, Barak employees, especially police and security personnel, who were paid by Barak who came there, um, they' involved in sexual abuse to women who were looking for uh, gold in Barrack's vicinity. And that was some years back. And um, because they leave their families at home, the other case, and uh, when they're there, like they want to have easy access to local women, and so uh, abuse went on. And this is sort of abuse. That's another uh, type, mm. another case. And then when land, uh, land is like they kind of uh, when they get their land loyalties, it's in it's men's society. The man is the tower, and women doesn't have much to say in every decision making. You understand me? Mm Mhm, I do. Yeah, I'm following. (laughs) (laughs) And so when they get the land loyalty benefits, land loyalty is paid direct to them in a check, cash. So when they grab it, it's a man who gets the check first. So they go out, they go straight to the beer club, or they go. Out of the province, take another woman with them, and it's finished when they come home. The woman waits, money, and children, no food. Mm. Cause trouble, fight. I mean, a uh, family, family, yeah,
0: problem, totally like, family, domestic,
1: yeah. and so so many of these cases. So, like especially the landowners and even the cash flow, like illegal miners, because of high cash flows they, one of the areas that they spend money mostly is on beer and women. Mm. Yeah. So women want to survive and some, some, many reasons. Mm. So, and then the locals and everyone uh, says it's because of the mining activity. Otherwise, in the past, we have never experienced this. You see, mm. they kind of blame, and you know, all these activities. So, Barak has to do something. And it uh, came up with this restorative initiative, and also to address this issue of family sexual violence, uh, and also to empower women. Mm. Barak did, in my life, I was a teacher before, like uh, Cynthia said. But I never went to any community development uh, institution or gender or human rights. Uh, straight from teaching, I applied for a position in welfare, women's welfare, in Pogra, uh, which was Barack funded, to deal to deal with women's issues, those who are affected by mining areas, and it did put me through a lot of training and empowered me to come this far. And in that work is the best, mm, yes. It does a lot of good things for us, but it's our, you know, we have to do something to uh, really appreciate and uh, make avenue for sustainability in individuals' life and a community life, mm-hmm. and a family and a community life. So that's one thing that we lack because of our, the mindset. And so, uh, Barak, I came up with another uh, fa- what the civil society was Family Sexual Violence Sharing Committee, which I was the chair, mm-hmm. appointed, and uh, to address women's issues and to empower women. And I feel I'm one of the empowered women to this stage because I can stand in a, a public way, women never, and I address issues, and which is through Barak, Barak's trainings and uh, fundings and uh, put me through Fiji Women Crisis Center oh, yeah, and a lot of things in my life. That's wonderful. Yes, so Barak does good things, and it does. It really wants to do good things for us, but it's our, ourselves sometimes. And also our jet influences, mm. especially human rights from our church. Yes. They don't really understand our setting. And uh, their context is different, you see. Australia, is America is different from Papua New Guinea. And Papua New Guinea's urban area is different from highlands. And highlands is different from the remote areas, mm. you see. So the this lack of understanding, the kind of impact that they we will face. So their interactions and involvement also are affecting this. Yeah, the sort of learning to mm. go both go both ways. Mm. Trying to translate
0: those human that's rights right. mm. language and, and um, mm-hmm. agendas yes. into something that's relevant. So tell me a bit more about I'm interested to know a bit more about um, the changes um, that you and, and your fellow committee members have, have managed to, to make in terms of um, support for uh, people who have experienced family and sexual violence?
1: Uh, okay, this is what I will say. Men in the highlands, especially in Hanga province, where I come from, I'm born there and I'm pure Hangan. <laughs> And I know my culture back to front, so in order to address I'm just I'm touching the in order mm-hmm. to address family sexual violence effectively, I have to take a appropriate approach, knowing the cultural psychology of the people living in there. Is my English correct? Yeah, yeah. You understand me? Family? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so. And one of the things that, you see, male advocates that I touch, we can't go for women advocates because men and women come together. And when we are biased in training to women, men will say, "Is where are you trying to go? Get down, you mm. see. Where are you trying to go? Get down. I don't, they always, what is human rights? We don't know about human rights. What's women's rights? They'll make this kind of ones. Oh, you try to uh, step over us. You see? So what I do is I walk around a circle. So this is the language that I use in my language. I mm-hmm. speak my language. Um, I use these words, respect and understand, to bring peace into the family. Do you love your wife? And how do you want to see your children? You know? And in the past, the families did this, fathers did this for their children so that they can sustain their lives. And right now it's not. So do you love your child? You're going to be not young, all this life, but you're going to get old and you need your child's support. You want to see him to become a lawyer, teacher? Yeah, yeah. You want to see him you know, getting a job? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why are you ignoring? And it's not your effort only, it's your wife's effort. So two of you will have to come together, understand each other, Others role and support each other for the good of your family and your child grows nicely. And if someone says I have my right, I have my woman right and here you will go, who are you? Who are you? What's women rights? Or what's men's rights? Ah uh, human right. Get lost with the woman right and men's uh, human woman rights. Right. Right. So what, we, what I do to address this is take the right approach in our awareness. We don't say we are coming here to do awareness on family sexual violence. That name, we kind of put it aside and we use different language, but we will still achieve that, our goal. The same way, so a different yeah, way to the same, same end. And so this is how we approach and doing. And then we did and these ladies, I'm going back to your question. Mm -hmm. So they are typical hangans, typical islanders, typical poetry. They don't want to they don't care about what action they take will affect the woman, their wife. You see, they don't marry only one wife. Other parts of the hangar maybe one or two in the past, maybe three, but now it's only one because of their social Mm status. But now, like Wapenimane District and Wapak District, they see that it's expensive. I see most of them are one and then two. But in Pukra, rows of wives. (laughs) And they wouldn't care. Oh, they wouldn't tell them. If they want to get the next wife, you don't have any choice. You just sit there, and how you live is your problem. You see? Mm. So this is a kind of mentality. And the leaders there, leaders from that area, we picked out to become civil society leaders, you see? They go through this, but they're more respected. But through the training that the FED has funded. Um, through the good relationship of Haraji Hi. Hey. They have developed their mindset. And amazingly, I saw this business leaders interest group leader and leaders interest group leader chairperson. These two have amazingly changed. The uh, business interests uh, group leader is a very young He's got only two child two children mm-hmm. in Pogra when you go no man will ever touch their child or um, hug or hold their babies it's woman's entirely woman's responsible mother's responsible mm-hmm. but you will see this man he will take the child around put it on a shoulder and now when he drives, he's putting his wife in the front. That is unusual in program. Mm. And the other person is doing the same. He's got married to two, but is now faithful to only one wife and the children. You see, the change, that two men change, and I see that, I can say that's the biggest change. Mm. And I'm looking forward to bigger impact in the District and done that way to Wabik district, it will discover. So, we are starting uh, with the very, very challenging, difficult area, Mm -hmm. which has the um, practices, cultural practices, traditional practices are really far more worse in regard to respecting women. Okay. So these two are changing. And then we got 36 male advocates who have gone through the family sexual violence training. And they are realizing now. And we would like to continue. And then the headed one was church group, they're all male. Um, I don't have the, I didn't put it there, but I got it here. If you see that, they were all male. The leaders, unlike other places, you wouldn't see any women who are church leaders. Mm. It's all male. And we had a big debate. Have why are you advocating for family section? You see, church group. will depend on the scriptures you see. The scripture says, "Treat everybody fairly, regardless of gender, regardless of sex, you love, because Jesus loves everyone equally. But they put this aside. Mm. You see, they are typical forwards. But these male uh, church leaders male church leaders, they also went into this, and now they said we'll hold all hands like this and address issues in the district when we are trying to move on coming to the peak. Mm-hmm. no funding somehow funding stopped, yeah. yeah. Am I answering you correctly? Yeah,
0: no. This is really interesting because you're giving us a lot of the context, and I'm just really, I was just thinking while you were talking about how, um, I mean, really, what this, the, what you've just been talking about is really cultural change. It's social change. It's cultural mm. change, and that's in my experience is often one of the hardest things mm-hmm. to do. And I think it's really great the examples you gave. of you start having role models and and people and who are respected people in sort of high positions who can provide that example for others and and it slowly filters out. But I also wanted to ask you, I will come back to the funding question, the issue of funding, but I wanted to ask you a little bit also, you mentioned earlier about um, sort of the local government and the police and and they really didn't have resources or they didn't have uh, motivation or for uh, maybe it's all of these things um, to really respond to... to, They were working in isolation. Yeah. So have you been doing some work as well to help strengthen institutions and particularly oh, to help yeah. to help survivors
1: of, of violence? That's right. In the past like uh, I will say four years back, three years back, when ROJI was existing. They were like, you know, when women who went through violence went through into police station to get a help, they said go back. You're going to sort it out with your husband in the house. And then, how can the husband who it here? How will they communicate? You see, it's difficult. Mm. See, they're not getting a good help. And then they go to magistrate. Magistrate, go and bring the money. I'll look into this. Oh, wait, I'm, I'm busy. You see, they're all men. They're all men. And then when they go to village court, even though they get the big cut on the head, bleeding, go they ask for the village court, they will say, Oh, i must. sorry, I'm trying to speak in a <laughs> to You got three children, and the man has paid bride price. So now, traditional decisions are coming in here. You go back, and she is suffering in silence, you see. It has been going on like that. I struggled and struggled since 2010, December. And when I was saying, oh, I'm going to, I'll be a welfare officer. Welfare officer, <laughs> in the past, it's someone who is a legal officer. But I'm not coming from a legal background. I'm a teacher, but welfare They didn't understand it's just trying to deal with women's issues, you see. Mm -hmm. So they kind of like, "Ah, welfare officer, all my friends and all my relatives, they live in Pokhara, they kind of like gave a distance away from me. They didn't want to come closer and talk to me because they were scared, threatened, you Mm -hmm. see. Or if they come and talk to me and I kind of like try to help her, A woman who goes through violence and the husband will attack me and they don't want to be part of it, you see. They don't want to also be attacked. But I kind of like took a bold stand. I will one time Crank it down. Try my best. So I went around. When I wanted to do, I went straight direct to women and men. I saw there was already a blockage because women they can talk openly about the family issues. You see, because someone will gossip at them, and you know all kinds. If they are sexually abused, it's they'll be disregarded in the family Mm. and community. We don't talk about this. It's a norm. So, I couldn't really. So, what I did was, and then if I asked, Who raped you and who did this? They, they were scared of the man, mm-hmm. the perpetrator, you see. So, it was really quite hard. So, what I did this. Uh, I used my teaching background from known to unknown. I went around to the schools and I said, I- I'm also a personal development teacher and a counselor, school counselor. So, I said, I can help do some counseling and check to see if any students. I told them, okay, symptoms. I didn't some students who are not concentrating, who are mm. coming late, who are doing this. And teachers were reporting, oh, this one. And, okay, just tell them, I want to talk to them. I volunteered. Mm. And then, oh, my father was like this and my mother was like that. And then I kind of like, you know, can you bring your mother and your father too? And then I sat down and talked to both of them, and father understood, mother understood. You see, and then I started slowly talking about women's rights, legal rights. Then when the man said, "Hey, do you know? Now it's no more civil matter; it's criminal. When you hit this, or when you abuse the child, criminal." Mm. Thank you very much, sister. They were, oh thank you very much. And then that's our slowly, slowly, slowly. I was doing that since 2010, December, and then I came in to help because I did a lot of awareness. I got the courage to go out to the public and did awareness to the level the devil touches and then move on. So
0: Mm. So, so, yeah, that's interesting. So, kind of using some of the instit- schools as mm. an institution to, to try and get access to, to people. And so, these days, um, in terms of um, police and and healthcare and providers, is there a greater sort of understanding and connections, mm-hmm. and, and in the courts as well? For yes. Women? No. Do you end up g- taking these, uh, cr- taking you know, making cr- criminal charges.
1: Okay now RJI came in. So RJI is now working with the ladies of the institution. So police station commander is the first contact and then senior standard lights and then magistrate, district magistrate, and then senior clerk and then the health uh, CEO. And then the village court chairperson of the OMS operations make him that's what we call in. Uh Papua New Guinea. Okay. So those ladies brought together and then Haraji will have meetings our weekend and strategize plans. And then they will, you know, kind of like, oh, okay, we did that. And then I go there and voice four women. Mm-hmm. I'm the only one woman. The other women invited, but they're scared to address this. So I thank the Lord, I would say, because I always pray and then go there. So that's my belief, mm. you see. I believe in the Lord. And then and I thank the Lord also that my personality is different from anger. <laughs> uh, We're we very aggressive. Anything, if I talk to you, like as if um, you cause a serious problem to me, we kind of like our approach is at the aggressive level. Just any normal talks, too. Mm. So this woman can't. So lucky I have this opportunity I sit down to listen to. And so I voice for women. I don't say everything because they're all men sitting down, and I'm the only woman. And then I thought, oh, woman, I've dealt with these cases, and they said they'll come to the district court. And you think you will help? You see, Mm. when they are there, I don't like to say, oh, they came to the district court, but you're not helping. You see, it's a different approach. Mm. Yeah, so they will come, please help. And then, can we have a look at some kind some laws that are protecting these women? And we will discuss them in the meetings and trainings, and then police come in, and then we advocated and we brought it. Uh, brought family sexual violence in. So before the establishment, I kind of, you know, went around because I went to Fiji and then I learned about family sexual violence unit. Mm. And then even I didn't see the face of it, but I advocated. Okay, be careful because family sexual violence unit policy, it's going to be on its own. It's more on human rights uh, approach and addressing Women's issues, so it's going to be here. The lowest change I'm washing my hands, I'm helping you to head for weight. My brothers, my uncles, oh, that's good. You are really helping us. So they kind of like folded their hands because in the past they kind of go like this and you know, throw their legs Mm. and so that's how we advocated. And then, police here you know, started developing. Oh, okay, we should have done that, but we did this. And then from the head down to the next level, down to the base level, mm. magistrates now referral uh, pathways. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. So when Family Sexual Violence Unit was set there, we got four staff there. And one of them is the female, which I went and brought her to come and hear about human rights. And then she came around, and then Barack s- sponsored her to Fiji. So now she's the prosecutor.
0: Oh, fabulous. Yeah. That's good.
1: So she prosecutes all the family sexual violence cases, take them down to the magistrate. magistrate is now good because we have, in Papua New Guinea, the head of the whole the magistrate district magistrate is a woman now. So they're scared that we might report. <laughs> so some of those, you know, tactics are played there. Mm-hmm. So now Bora District Magistrate is very helpful to women. And we've got OIC, officer in charge of family service it. If any woman is abused and is a man to man in their home, you know. Mm-hmm. Attitudes and behaviors, he just talked them. The very difficult, hardest man to handle was handled by him. And the rest of them, oh, this police unit is a new unit and it's going to delay. There is change happening now. Big change. Mm. It has never been like that. We really want to continue and have a impact. Mm. You see? And referral pathways now in a more coordinated manner, you see? And, and then taken to family support center where um, they need to get medical health reports if there are sexually mm-hmm. abuses. So, that is the one that was to be set, and the funding stopped. So now in Pogra, the most remotest part, most women know the human rights den, the ones that are supposed to know fast, like Wabeg Town and you Wapanimanda know. and So it's very interesting. Mm. Yeah. So that's so yeah, so overall it's really a
0: it's really a positive story. It sounds mm. like a really a, a quite amazing change from mm-hmm. how things were both institutionally and, and as you say, without you didn't have these referral pathways and these services really. Yeah, different. But now it's really mm-hmm. it's really moving up. But um I guess that's, this is the issue, as you mentioned, that the, now the funding is a problem. Mm. So the funding has stopped now from Barrick?
1: Yeah. Mm. I don't know what's the reason. Mm. Barrick has also sold its shares to another Chinese company. 95%, that's what I heard. Oh, wow. Mm. So recently, it took over. Management has changed, not... I'm not really sure. I can talk much yeah. about this. Uh, all I can say is the funding stopped and we are like this. It's almost a year now. In that period, we should have. And I hear like, no, it's low and order. Problem is trying to creep in. Mm. Which is not a good story. That's worrying. Yeah, especially mm. if you've done so much
0: to improve the situation. I want to see it continue going up and
1: not... And not so what I'm doing back. now, I've formed this um I'm I found that this uh Voice for a Women Association. Mm. So at least there's no funding, but voluntarily, willingly I'm advocating for family sexual violence, gender issues. Mm. And then I'm going back to the rural areas. <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. And we um Look for ways to sustain the women. The two programs now are running parallel. Agriculture, they plant their cash crops, sell them, get the money, sustain themselves. And then human rights. If men comes around and say, Okay, give me all that money, you have to know your human rights, legal rights. And then but I tell them just manage it so that you don't cause any additional problem or, mm. and then that's, I'm doing that. So it's like all over Hinga province oh. with a good woman from all over Hinga province.
0: That's wonderful. Mm. Well, Evelyn, I have kept you much longer than I intended, so <clears throat> I perhaps will wrap it up there. But I hope, um, first of all, thank you very much for sharing the story. It's really a, Mm-hmm. A good story and a, an encouraging story, and we know that family and sexual violence is a huge problem across PNG and and around extractive industries. So I hope mm. that this positive story can um, in, inspire some others, and I hope that uh, we we can maybe there's a, someone out there listening who may be able to help you with um, the funding because that's always a perpetual <laughs> perpetual issue. Um, but I want to thank you very much.
1: Thank you very much, Kamela. You have been listening to a podcast from the Development Policy Centre. For more information on our work, visit our website at devpolicy.anu.edu.au. To join the conversation on Australian aid, Papua New Guinea and the Pacific, and global development policy, visit our blog at devpolicy.org. At the blog, you can also sign up to our newsletter for all the latest updates or connect with us on social media. Thanks for listening.